Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is my friend and sister in Christ, Rosaria Butterfield. Rosaria, welcome back to the show. It's been like three or four, maybe five years now. So it five comes, years. I know it's it's way too long. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a good interviewer. I mean, no, no, <laughs> I'm not a good writer. I just went into the I went into the underground. Uh, yeah. Probably should have stayed there. Dave. I don't know, Dave. I think I'd be in less trouble if I had gone into the underground and just stayed there. But here we are again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> forward to the breach, my good friends. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> oh man. Well, can you uh, catch us up on your life and marriage and what's happening at the church and yeah. uh, ministry projects and what's happening yeah. with you? We're all, we're well in the Lord here, and uh, my husband is still faithfully preaching the word and uh, my my children are everybody's all taller than I am my children that is sufficiently so that they can tell me how many gray hairs they see by getting the up and the down and uh, my grandson is a delight and um, uh, yeah you know all all as well I think the only big difference in the household front since we talked last is my daughter filled the backyard with chickens so now we have you know, oh nice nice backyard full of chickens and i and love a bunch them of eggs. exactly pets with a purpose i'm yes. all about this so no dogs and no cats right oh no you. no we still have dogs and cats and, <laughs> and snakes and turtles and no 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 but we now have pets with a purpose <laughs> oh man you're funny you're funny <laughs> Well, you know, you you wrote this article, uh, why I no longer use transgender pronouns and why you shouldn't either. You know, it was published um, at Reformation 21. We're friends with them as well. So thank you for writing for them. Uh, Can you tell us about this article a little bit? Had no idea it would uh, become explosive. But, uh, you know, in the course of my Christian life, I sin. Mm. And because I'm a public figure, when I sin, I need to repent publicly. Mm. Mm. And um, so I have a book coming out uh, in the, the in September, Lord willing, called Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. And in it, I actually spend the first part of the introduction just repenting of the 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 various sins in my speech and my thinking, mm. um, because I've been on the front line of LGBTQ plus issues in evangelicalism for 10 years. 10 years is a lot of time to make a lot of mistakes. And what I wanted to say in this article is that these aren't just mistakes, they're sin. And and it's one thing, you know, a mistake is a mistake. You know, when you make a mistake, you course correct. If you take the wrong exit on the highway, which I I do enough times that even my grandson can correct me. um, (laughs) You know, I'm that that kind of person. Um, You just, you get to the next exit. You know, it's okay to course correct when you make mistakes, but these, this, uh, example that you're referencing in the uh, Ref 21 article, using transgender pronouns isn't 
um, mistake. It's a, it's, it's a sin and sins um, must not be just dealt with course correction. And when Mm. we evangelicals do that, that just creates more and more Aikens in the camp. And Mm. so if we are wondering as evangelicals, why it feels like we are living at the ground zero of the tower of Babel, if we are wondering why, why are we so divided? I believe it's because we have a lot of Aikens in the camp that we need to just, we need to repent of. And, you know, repentance gives glory to God. So, um, so in this article, I just wanted to come clean and make it clear where I stand now and also call out other evangelicals and, um, issue an invitation for others to join me. And as you might expect, I'm standing by myself. Well, we're standing with you because I okay. mean, well, you know, really, they need to see that this world that we live in now is one filled with tests. Mm. And these tests are opportunities to give God glory. Yeah. And one of them is this question of will we comply with both tyranny and and stupidity all at the same time? Yeah. And the answer really needs to be for the glory of God. No. Amen. Well, why is using transgender pronouns sinful? Yeah, well, that's a lot of so in the in the new book, um, I talk about how um, you know, just what is what especially Genesis 127, uh, you know, and, and other places too, you see that um God established a natural order. And to introduce that natural order is understood in terms in terms of uh, biological sex to introduce a new category of personhood called gender separate from the biological category of sex um, is unnatural to the creation order. It's, it's rebellion against the creation order and it's truly harmful for the purposes for which God created us. Um, Mm. Using transgender pronouns is a sin against image bearing. Okay. I'm not going to use an adjective before I say the word Joe Biden, but just so your audience knows, I'm thinking one and it's not a nice one, but um, our president Joe Biden on this almost Orwellian titled national holiday called the national day of transgender visibility said something to the effect of you're made in the image of God. We see you, you know, just as you are. Well, being made in the image of God has nothing to do with your flesh. Being made in the image of God, that's being made as the image of God. That means you're a little God. You're not a little God. Being made in the image of God means that you're made, that you are designed to reflect God's image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, which you cannot do if you assert that your identity is made from, you know, the the world, the flesh and the devil, which is where you're going to get homosexuality and transgenderism. Using transgender uh, pronouns discourages a believer's progressive sanctification because you're just stuck right there. If you, you know, who other than Satan doesn't want you to repent of sin? You know, sin isn't just about what you do. Sin is not just a physical thing. I mean, if it were, you would just need an iPhone app to deal with it. You would not need a bloody savior for, you know, goodness sakes, right? Um, so it, it 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 falsifies the gospel and it denies someone the right to um, progressive sanctification, which is really something only that heretics do. Mm. Um, using transgendered pronouns fails to love my neighbor as myself. Mm. Using transgender pronouns fails to offer genuine Christian hospitality. 
Mm. And instead, it yields the definition of hospitality, along with the definition of a bunch of other things, to a bunch of woke liberal ideas, you know, such as um, common grace is just as good as saving grace or liberal communitarianism is equal to Christian hospitality, um, identity politics, you know, I mean, all of that, this imperative, this expectation that Christians will comply with an ideology that is harmful to people makes it almost impossible to actually help people who are struggling either under the weight of gender dysphoria or under the indoctrination of transgenderism. Both people need help. But if you fall for the indoctrination, you are no help. I mean, it's really the it's it's you know, this is where, where Joe Rigney's um, distinction between empathy and sympathy is really helpful here. Right. It's not that you are never to provide empathy, but but right now, grownups need to provide sympathy. Sympathy is where you stand outside of somebody's problems, see them as problems and actually try to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Empathy is where you see somebody drowning in the river and you think, well, maybe I should jump in with you so that we both can feel your pain. Well, that's really dangerous, especially when so many young people are um, falling sway to the indoctrination and along with it, uh, you know, that just the really harmful medical practices. And, you know, the fact that the, you know, my friend Andrew Branch pointed out to me that the DOJ is now using the 14th Amendment to basically support the castration of minors. And, um, you know, protesting the Tennessee law, which is protecting minors. So, you know, where are we going to stand? And here's the thing. I mean, I I keep hearing people say, well, you know, can't we just agree to disagree on this? No, we can't. What the world needs, what the Christian church needs, what what kids who want to harm themselves need is clarity, Mm. not nuance and muddled ambiguity. Amen. Yeah. Just mentioning Joe Biden, his press secretary, in response to the Nashville thing, as we both know, it was basically suggested from the the White House, you know, which, I mean, we pay for the functioning of the White House, our tax dollars as American citizens. Captain Obvious, I know. But, I mean, it, the suggestion is, is like, we're going to side with the the transgender kids over and against the families that were hurt. Where's the Where's the compassion? the the concern for other people right i mean and 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 these are supposedly the democrats that love and care for people and that's just like tone tone death uh on steroids yeah and i think this is where we just need to see there's actually there's actually no such thing as a transgender kid there's a kid there's a kid who's confused there's a kid who self-harms there's a kid who's sad there's a kid who's maybe bullied there's a kid who's in trouble but there's no such thing as a transgender kid because that's not a category of personhood. God made two kinds of people. He made men and he made women. And to introduce categories in addition to that is to do great harm to kids. Yes. You know, I can say uh, when we lived in Idaho, I was working as a paraprofessional on the side and doing ministry as well. And we had one kid come in to the school 
they were in the special i don't special ed is not the right word anymore but it, it it's a it's a special ed room okay it's right, they were right. in a special you ed hater. You, yeah i know how <laughs> dare i not use the, yeah the the approved language okay but you you know what i mean like this kid was a this was a young boy and the next day we were told i was told by the special ed teacher we had a meeting and we we're supposed to call this a young girl you know just just you know it's that was I'd heard about this. We even in Idaho, they had uh, transgender bathrooms, which I mean, if you know anything about Idaho, it's very conservative. And so that in and of itself is pretty alarming. But, you know, um, now we know that was that was, I don't know, eight years ago or so now. Yeah. And so, you yeah. know, that's that's the least of the issue. But I just say, like, people, we're going to see this come and come yeah. more and more. And like you're saying, it is a person. It is an image of God issue. We need to understand who we are and, you know, how God has made us. And Christians have to stop using the same playbook just because it helps support your favorite parachurch ministry or keep your mega church in donuts and coffee. You know, once the ideology of transgenderism became part of the federal government's anti-bullying legislation, and that went into the public schools, you can, you know, parents who are putting their children in public schools cannot protect their children from any of that. You know, you can talk all, you could, you could be Jen Wilkins on the Gospel Coalition and talk all day and all night about being a soft presence in the public schools, but somebody needs to let Jen know that that means you're being a soft presence in Sodom. And you get to come out either like Lot or you're apostate. And, you know, if that's the high bar for the evangelical church, then somebody needs to ask these people to step down and get a hobby. Because yeah. the church needs to lead the world. The, the world is going to be confused. It is It is necessarily going to be influenced by Satan and and seduced by Satan and deceived by Satan. Yeah. But the question for me is why is the evangelical church buying into that? Or as my husband would put it, where are the grown-ups? Where are they? Yeah. Well you you raise even a, an important issue that we're supposed to be leading the way with the word. We're supposed to be speaking to the issues. And you know, if anything, I think COVID for a lot of people, it woke people up to the reality that we need to get a, we better get a spine and we better get a backbone and we better mm -hmm. be willing to count the costs. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with James Coates, but we better get a backbone like James Coates and yeah, stand absolutely. up because this is this is coming to our country and it's going to come through issues like this. We you see that, as you know, you see that with the you've seen that with the PCUSA. We see it happening in the PCA. We see it happening in the SBC. It's because as soon as you really minimize the teaching and the authority of the Bible, and we we even have a we we people today, the thing that concerns me the most, Rosaria, is you have Christians who pledge allegiance to verbal plenary inspiration, and they don't believe that view. What they yeah. believe is they believe in partial inerrancy which is not the total inerrancy that the church has taught since absolutely the, since the early church first century and i think part of how we got there is we started to follow well 
uh, here's what I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Rosario, tell us what you really think. Yeah, yeah tell, tell me. Really yeah, yeah, I really. know, I know. Put, Come put on now. Back, tell us what you really think. Well, <laughs> well, I really think that people still think that that middle road that Tim Keller wants us to walk on, yeah. um, you know, the center church, the, um, you know, mission to the city. I think people think that that didn't get washed out with the Burgerfell. But with the Burgerfell, that middle road got washed out. Now, you and I can talk about whether you would want to build a whole city on that middle road, whether that's a good idea. And probably you and I would say, eh, probably not. But you can't even, you know, knock yourself out. You can't find that middle road because in war, borders close. And Obergefell put forward a particular war against personhood, which is a creation ordinance value. It's not something over which Christians can disagree. It is the foundation of our biblical standard. The seeds of the gospel are in the garden. So you can't dispense with that. But the Obergefell decision included something with it called the dignitary harm clause. And what that meant is that you are no longer just harming someone by denying them a material good. So back in the day when I was a lesbian, and let's say you owned a pizza shop and I wanted you to sell me a pepperoni pizza. Well, I wouldn't because I was vegetarian, but let's say I wanted a cauliflower pizza and you wouldn't sell it to me uh, because I was queer. And I would be like, well, I want to sue you because I want my pizza. Well, now the issue has nothing. I mean, it may have something, you know, now the issue is it, it, it expands beyond material issues to harming my dignity. And specifically, if you fail to use my pronouns, if you fail to you know, affirm me as an LGBTQ plus minus question mark, whatever, you are denying my dignity, except for as a Christian, if I fail to affirm nonsense, I am actually awarding you dignity. I am recognizing you as an image bearer. And so I think what has really happened is Christians have gotten so used to doublespeak Mm. that they can't work their way out of this. And that's why repentance is so important because what repentance does is it, is it, is it, you know, it, it gives glory to God. Yeah. You know, part of why we are befuddled is because the Lord is not blessing us. It's not that judgment is coming. We're living in judgment. And so we must repent and stop, um, purposely confusing people. It it makes you wonder what kind of conversions you want. You know, when you look at something like side B gay Christianity, which, you know, the PCA, you know, I mean, PCA made the world safe for side B Christianity and um, revoice. And, you know, you don't hear people talk about being born again and repenting of their sin of homosexuality and then being delivered of that sin and then no longer being gay. I mean, praise be to God, That's that actually is my story. That's my experience. Mm. I mean, if, if when I first walked through the doors of a church, somebody said, oh, you're the lesbian activist from Syracuse. We'd like to start a lesbian bowling league here. Could you help us? I would have walked out because who needs church? That would be stupid. I mean, there's so why the church felt that it needed to be more like the world to attract people like the person I used to be so that I could just be more stuck in my sin, but now be deluded that I have Jesus on my side. I'm trying to figure out how this is somehow like 
worthy of anybody's time at all. Yeah. I mean, Satan loves it. And talk about carrying water for the other team. And this is what happens when you want to be a soft presence in Sodom. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you that's had, the goal. Uh, yeah. You had, you had Russell Moore advance, you know, in the early 2010s, compassionate kindness. But we've, we're, we're for the idea of that. We yeah, should be yeah. speak the truth in love and we should be kind. That's kindness is a fruit of the spirit. Right. But we've seen, like with the emerging church, with its emphasis on discipleship, divorce from doctrine, we've seen where this idea goes. And right. so so sometimes, like I say often on this show, like sometimes it's good to be slow and see where doctrine goes because doctrine has implications and it. You're going to see the fruit of it. And once you see the fruit of it, you're going to know that theology is bad, bad. Because theology, theology leads, it, it has a foundation in, in rooting God's word, and then it impacts the way that we live. And so, yeah, right. it, it, it always and, is going to produce bad fruit. If, if and it's culture has a way of sometimes bringing some of these ideas to light. You know, in 2010, to say something like compassionate conservatism, I don't think anybody, I mean, I don't think that that, that was a bad thing to say in 2010, because those... Neither of those words have been co-opted. I mean, I think in general, when Christians use plastic words, what we need to do, it's not, I don't think you, you don't, you know, I'm not a word Nazi, use whatever words you want, but you've got to put some gospel heat on those plastic words. And if they melt before your eyes, then, you know, let's move on. And that's where things like gay Christianity, you know, you are, what you are serving is Satan's desire that um, people will not need to repent or feel like they don't need to repent. And I, I can't remember who it was who said that the hardest people to try to preach the gospel to are the people that already think they're saved. And so now you've got these mega churches filled to the brim with those people. It's a different gospel. What is the danger of evangelicals using the moral lens of the LGBTQ plus personhood? Yeah. Well, if you yield the moral language to LGBTQ. And here's here would be an example. You use preferred pronouns. You um, you make sure that you know all of the different identity politics rules and you follow them. If you do that, then you are not able to do what you should be doing, and that is introduce a biblical moral lens. And so if you yield the language, I mean, Jesus is the word made flesh. Language is not insignificant. If you yield the moral language to the left, then you have closed the door to do the one thing you need to do. And I hear not only Christians, but I hear conservatives doing this constantly. I just recently heard somebody from a well-known conservative think tank say that because the problem of transgenderism is in plain view, true, the solution is too. Oh, Satan loves that you just said that. And you never have to use the Bible because that might offend people. Okay, win for Satan. I, that's how quickly this goes. So you, if if you if you see the moral language to the left, there's biblical language that you can't use. So if you use affirming LGBTQ plus language, you can't defend. Um, let me just read something from, uh, um, and it's and it's it's his question of whether transgenderism, along with intersex condition, is caused by the fall. He says. Some say that intersex conditions are caused by the fall, which he puts in scare quotes. Hmm. I mean, could we just stop there? 
maybe we should define what scare quotes mean. When you let me explain. If yeah. you put something in square scare quote square quotes, you don't think it's real. Yep. Okay. Okay, Preston. Let's go on. Others think they were part of God's original pre-fall design. I used to punt to the fall whenever intersex conditions came up in conversation, but I've become a bit more cautious about doing this. You know, we really need less effeminate men and we just need more men to just be bold and just say it like it is. Maybe it's theologically true. Maybe it's not. I wasn't in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned. So there we go. Now, not only is the fall in quotation marks, but I'm supposed to believe that if I only press and sprinkle were in the garden, then I would have a legit narrative because, you know, that this that this book, I don't know, it's got some problems, Dave. And yeah. if I'm honest, I know less about the fall and its impact on humanity than I thought I did. OK, then go find somebody with a sixth grade education who could read Genesis one and two to you. Mm. I mean, I. I'm a teacher. If, if if people have reading disabilities, I, I have I'm not I'm not shaming you for that. But maybe you ought not be out there trying to tell us what we should think. Mm. Maybe the fall caused a defect in an enzyme that leads to an excessive production of androgens in genetic XX females, which leads to congenital adrenal hyperplasia. The issue is victimhood. The issue is disability. The issue is is not sin, but illness, which is, may I just tell you, heresy. Okay, this is absolute heresy. Or maybe using the fall to explain intersex conditions is wrongheaded to begin with, as many disability theologians have reminded us. Okay, Dave, I don't know. I'm I'm a full subscriptionist to the Westminster Confession of Faith. I don't know who a disability theologian is, and there's no footnote. So I guess I just have to believe this guy. Well, we know that's a so. straw man. If you don't put evidence, that's a straw man argument. Well, it's garbage. It's also it's garbage. garbage. Yes. It's exactly. just garbage. And, you know, and here's where I just think where I'm, you know, and, and that and that got a good review from Gospel Coalition. Wow. So, you know what I mean? And, and, and granted, granted, the person did point that one paragraph out that I read. So, you know, maybe this is kind of a little bit over the top, but this isn't a little bit. That's a deal breaker. See, you put that in a book. That's a deal breaker. And. You know, I'm just I'm a cranky old school, you know, professor. This is my rule when I was directing dissertations. Don't give me garbage. OK, don't don't write garbage and don't use books that are garbage. So maybe as evangelicals, we need to stop reviewing garbage Amen. and platforming garbage. Uh, obviously. And, and supporting. But you know, I'm just, not just, on social media. I'm just so saying. I, uh, yeah. I, Except for that, when I am, I'm living proof that you can completely eviscerate me. And actually, my day is not ruined in the least bit. I know yeah. you're jealous, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, you know what I do? It's called mute. It's called unfollow. <laughs> it's called, yeah, thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. But we'll, I mean, we'll why do, why, how do we, how, how and I'm just kind of curious, how do we live with just, warring against actual true believers and putting up with garbage like that mm. or even how do we how do we just how do we imagine warring against activists who don't know the lord and putting up with garbage like that like wh why why are we doing that mm. 
I mean, Satan loves it. That's what I can tell you. But no, that that's an example of seeding the moral language to the left. You that, that that paragraph I read is an example of what that looks like. So when you seed the moral language to the left, what do you have? You have garbage. You do not have the gospel. You cannot proclaim the gospel. You do not have a living hope. And you know, it's it, it, I know a lot of detransitioners. I know a lot of people who had really fallen, and I know a lot of people who are ex-gay as well. Um, I know a lot of people who had fallen hook, line, and sinker to LGBTQ ideology. But courageous Christians preached the real gospel of Jesus Christ, not once, not twice, but 500 times, over meals and friendship and doing life together. And we came to Christ, and we repented of our sin, And we learned this mature Christian lesson. It's called how to hate your sin without hating yourself. Mm. It's hard, but everybody has to do it. And we learn that when we do, in fact, repent and believe, and we need to repent and believe and act. So there's no point in praying that the Lord would take away your same-sex attraction, but you're not breaking up with your girlfriend. No, you need to break up with your girlfriend and pray that the Lord would change your feelings. You need to pray and act, act on the prayers in faith that you are praying. But we're grateful to be delivered. Mm. We're grateful to be liberated. We're grateful to know that Christian liberty means I don't have to sin anymore. And that when I do, because I will, I repent and I'm strengthened and I grow in progressive sanctification. I grow to be more like Jesus. And that makes me better equipped to love my enemies. And that's where the the other thing that happens when you yield the moral language to the left is you forget that God has actually called you to love your enemies, not pretend that your enemies are your friends. Those are different things. Yeah. So you yield the moral language to the left and you lose the gospel. And I could select any number of books. That was just the one that was in close reach that have done the same thing. I, I, I agree. I think one other thing is, is, you know, our, the New Testament makes this very clear that our character is to inform our witness. And our the, it matter that you're bringing out, and I'm just going to draw out here for just a second, is on social media, it's too easy to blast off on each other. And that does the same thing. It undermines the image of God and the other person, not to mention we're told to love one another and bear each other's burdens. So how are you going to bear another's burdens and do as Jesus said in the great commandment? How are you going to do that if you're blasting off on somebody on social media and taking them to task and instead not getting on a Zoom or a text or a, even a Facebook or a Twitter chat to have an actual conversation with somebody? You know, yeah. it's and, and the, yeah, the question absolutely. is rhetorical. It's a rhetorical question, really, because it totally violates the spirit and the intent and the meaning behind what it means to honor the Lord right. and to glorify right. him and to love one another. And it creates a new definition of what it means to be Christian. You know, Christians used to be people who actually did the word of God. And now Christians are people who identify as Christians. Well, I don't think anybody cares if you identify as a Christian. If there's no fruit, then there's no fruit. But, you know, I, I do believe that the gospel is probably the most beautiful to people who have um who have de who are trying to detransition. And but perhaps they've gone through just medical horror and and there are certain things that on this side of heaven, they can't change. 
But if they're in Christ, they know that God can't be mocked, mm. that in, in, in heaven and in the new Jerusalem, no matter what kind of damage you've done to your body, God will glorify that body. Mm. And you'll be the man you were meant to be and the woman you were meant to be. Mm. Um, you can do all kinds of things, but God can't be mocked. And I think that is one of the most, that's something that our detransitioners understand and can communicate in ways I, I can't even express how beautiful it is. Mm. It's wonderful. Well, I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but do you think that the current fascination with transgenderism has turned into a religion? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's any question that it has. In fact, it makes you long for the day when atheists knew they were atheists. Wow. You know what I mean? I mean, so, so absolutely there's, there's, um, um, and, and, you know, it, if, if the Lord should tarry and we go on and on for a while, I, I think that our days are just as dark as the days of child sacrifice to Moloch. I think it'll go down in the annals of church history at that level of barbarity and darkness and um and and just just vileness yeah. and hatred, hatred against God, hatred against children. But I mean, I remember when I was a gay rights activist, we used to say things like leave consenting adults alone. We don't even talk about consenting adults anymore. Mm -hmm. No, we want to castrate, you know, 14 year olds. Right. We want we want to make sure that 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 children are on this fast track. And so, yeah, I absolutely think it is a religious uh, fever. And um, and I think it, it piggybacks on this idea that pagan spirituality is kinder than biblical Christianity. And so it is transgenderism is just one of the many facets of pagan spirituality that you see today. Yeah, that's really good. Just another example, you know, in San Francisco at San Francisco University, we saw recently with Riley Gaines, uh, mm -hmm. she was assaulted at the San mm -hmm. Francisco State University, and she was invited to give her a talk uh, opposing the inclusion of transgender athletes in women's sports. Now, uh, and then she was abused. She was even then the police didn't do anything. And then, you know, she was cornered and the police put her, you know, safely. But they were even she were, tells us in, in many interviews, she's told at the public, you know, they were at the transgender activists were telling them, hey, telling her, look, in the room, you have to give me money in order for right. you to get out safely, which is called kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, right? I mean, that's, no, what, that's it, just what we see. I mean, over but and Dave, over again. Yeah. The worst part was what uh, San Francisco University spokes, uh, whatever, I'm going to say woman, go ahead, uh, said about <laughs> it. And that's that she was very proud of the her, of the transgender students for, for, for leveling a peaceful protest. Mm. And so I think this is where Christians need to develop a backbone. Okay, I really do. Just grow one, grow a backbone, because we're going to be in this for the long haul. And I'm thinking here, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And so, um, you know, and that's 
2 Corinthians 4, 8 uh, through 10, I, I think I think that tells us that the point isn't to make the affliction go away. The point is to finish the job. Mm. And I talk to a lot of people who want to be, you know, a soft presence in Sodom, you know, and they they want to send their kids to public schools and they want to have a transgender swim coach because, you know, we're just going to be a soft presence here in, in, in Sodom. And I wonder if any of these Christians actually realize that they're being tested. And it's not like a short test. It's not like a mini test. It's like a you know, it's it it it's like the MCAT and the LSAT, and you know, you know, all you know, all day. It's a it's a it's a long one. Um, and I hear, I hear them, I hear them. They want to be in the world, but not of the world. But they're not strong enough. They're not equipped. Why aren't they equipped? Because they've been feeding off of a false gospel that has conceded the moral language to the left. They're trying to get you know the Maya Angelou poem that was read at you know at, uh, you know, an inauguration to do the same thing that the word of God will do. It's crazy. And it's a losing paradigm. Mm. So may all real Christians abandon it. Amen. But just on that, that on that particular point, um, what are your thoughts on the indoctrination of children in our schools and multimedia towards transgenderism? Well, I, I, I believe that you know, I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a, I'm a covenanter. I don't believe any covenant child belongs in public schools, not after the uh, inclusion of transgender ideology in anti-bullying legislation, which means as a parent, you can't exempt your child from it. I mean, I think a lot of parents think that the whole LGBTQ stuff is sex ed. And if you get your kid out, that's just not true anymore. So I believe strongly that churches need to work hard to help people be able to provide a Christian education for their children and that that people need to be willing to sacrifice so that we can do that. And and then I think for the people that are really stuck and, you know, the people who are really stuck are the people who are the victims of divorce and they don't have you know, they're not in agreement about these things. Then I think we need to really resource and pray because those students are like Daniel, but we shouldn't willingly, we shouldn't put up with it. You know, we shouldn't give them our children. They didn't take our children. It's not like they came in in the night and they abducted them, swept them right out of their little, their little bunk beds. No, we, you know, don't give them your children and don't believe the, like that, that last, oh, good night, that last quote unquote, good faith debate the gospel coalition about public schools, there wasn't anything good and there wasn't anything faithful in it. So I don't know, we've come up with a different title, but it's very serious. And um, I think the Daily Wire has done some really good investigative journalism about what was going on in those Loudoun County schools. And I, I'm, I came from, I came to Durham from Loudoun County. So I know, I know of what they speak, but it was a very serious issue. And the superintendent of Loudoun County Schools is looking at some serious jail time. For what? Well, for learning that a dude in a skirt raped a girl in a restroom. And then because it wouldn't be good for LGBTQ plus affirmation, you know, self-esteem, moved the dude in a skirt to another Loudoun County school where 
He did the same thing, only this time he didn't have to be in a bathroom. He was in an open classroom and he strangled the girl first. She lived, um, but it all came out. And then when an angry parent of the first girl spoke at a school board meeting, he was arrested. Uh, Dave, he may have used bad language. I think I might have too. What about you? Um, and, and it was the Daily Wire that broke the story. It was a great story. And at first, everybody was dismissing it. This was last May. And it's a really serious thing. So, you know, I think what happens is people are kind of working from like, you know, well, you know, 30 years ago, my grandpa was, a you know, the the, you know, the vice president of the of the of the high school. And we all went to it. Well, those days are gone. Christians are not called to be sentimental. Wake up. We're dealing with right now. And right now is war and our children are not equipped for it. Yeah, where uh, I mean, in Washington, where I've lived and out here in Oregon, you know, specifically in the Portland area, even 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 in southern Oregon, which is actually what most people don't know is most of the state of Oregon, except surrounding, you know, and it's the same in Seattle as well. So if you move past the mountains and south in Washington mm -hmm. and same here in Oregon, if you moved past Salem and down all the way over to the rest of the east eastern it's all mostly conservative mm -hmm. and you know i have a friend here locally who is a teacher and they have to sign a thing she's afraid in a few years she's gonna have to sign a thing essentially where she can't even say anything at all and she's a very solid christian but and, that's uh, where that's, that that yeah god doesn't call you to sin yeah and so I'm going to tell you, if every Christian right now stood up and said, we're not putting up with this, uh, believe me, we all wouldn't be losing our jobs. But I think the reality is everybody needs to get up every morning and say, Lord, if I lose my job today, may it be for your glory. And would you please protect my children and my home and myself? But yeah, you don't need to sin. You don't need to comply with the tyrants. You may choose to do that. And if you choose to do that, that is an example of yielding the moral language to the left. Once you do that, you are not able to rewrite the rules. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are probably in a Hebrews 11 moment. And we learn in Hebrews 11 that the gospel will go forward with strength, whether we are sawn in two or whether we are saved by the, by the mouths of the lions. We know which one we would prefer, but our lives are not our own. We belong to Jesus. We belong to King Jesus. This is his world. Where are the Christians? I can't hear them. I just hear this blathering nonsense. And it's not Christian. This is a good time to reread Machen. You know, it was 100 years ago, right? It was um, that, that he published Christianity and Liberalism. And and it's a brilliant book. It's it's so timely for our day. But, you know, he points out that, you know, if if you have abandoned this idea of original sin, you know, if you abandon the idea of the fall and you put it in square, scare quotes, obviously you abandon the idea that that that, you know, you are born with a sin nature and that you're that you're culpable for it and that that sin nature doesn't make you a victim. It makes you a sinner. And I get it. You suffer because of your sin. I do, too. But you're a sinner before you're a sufferer. And that sin needs to be mortified, killed. You can't you can't put it on life support. You can't be side B, revoice and steward it for God's glory. That's a lie from the pit of hell.
But if you really do follow what the Lord tells you to do, he will protect you and he will allow you to find your voice. Why are Christians so cowardly? Don't we have a savior who has already secured victory? Mm. Don't we know it's, it does? Did we not read the end all the way through? Mm. Let's march behind King Jesus. Not this nonsense. Well said. Well, uh, sister, where can people go to find out more about you on your website? Right. Well, <laughs> there's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. I didn't say social media this time. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right, right. So I have a website um, and um, you can certainly catch up on things like like interviews like this, uh, which get posted on the website and um, information about when the book is coming out, things like that. But, you know, I'm not a I'm not a. I'm not a professional Christian. I'm a mom and a grandma and a pastor's wife, and I like it that way. And I occasionally read books. And if you like those books, then go ahead and read them. But I don't spend my, you know, I don't, I don't spend hours in in a day trying, you know, I mean, I do want, I'll do like one interview a week. So this is it. You got it. (laughs) Yay for day. (laughs) So, yes. So my website is rosariabutterfield.com. The uh, the most recent book is called Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, and it's available from Crossway. It's available from Amazon for a while, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> we maybe, I know we're not betting. We, we Christians don't don't make bets, but I don't think it's going to be there for long, guys. No. no. So well, get your copy and then you can sell it on the black market for groceries. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. And we're, we'll be we'll be talking to you again before the book comes out. So we'll, okay, sounds we'll look good. forward to that. But. Just as we wrap up the conversation today, can you give us a few takeaways? Um, what do you mean by takeaways? <laughs> any, Is this any, like a takeout? Like, what am yeah. I making for dinner tonight? Or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything <laughs> that you want to leave us with as we wrap up this episode? Oh, I just want to tell you that um, let's, I mean, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Um, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 12. Since we have such a hope. Let me back up. Nope, let me just go with that because I'm going to say something else. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Let's be very bold. Let's try very bold instead of very winsome for the next month. And let's see how very bold works for us. Because what we need to do is we need to apply Jude 3 to our current moments. And we need to contend for the faith. And you know what? You need to contend for the faith and I need to contend for the faith, but we're not going to be standing in the same place. So you need to contend for the faith wherever you are. Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Are you working at a university that says you better put up a rainbow sticker on your Facebook page or you're going to get fired? What does it mean to contend for the faith? It means defying the tyrants defying them, not complying with them. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's not the revoice faith. That's not the Preston Sprinkle faith. That's not the side B gay Christianity faith. That's not the transgender ideology faith. It's the gospel faith. And the seeds of the 
gospel are in the garden. So you can't defy the creation ordinance and be a Christian. It's a losing, losing, losing paradigm. But the really good news is there's a winning paradigm. And the Lord Jesus Christ knows how to save the godly from danger and knows how to rescue us from the tyrants. So hide in him and speak boldly to the world. Yeah, you uh one last verse. Uh you're reminding me as you're as you're talking there about Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, Rosary, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show today. I am thankful that you are standing up and I'm standing with you and we're standing on the word. We want to Mm -hmm. encourage you guys as well to stand on the word and to be bold and to speak the truth and love as we're commanded to do and Mm -hmm. to do it all for God's glory, for the good of the church and mostly for the honor of God. So thank you guys for, thank you for joining us, Rosaria, today. And uh, for everybody who listens and watches this show, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.